Hey everyone, you're listening to the Queens of Hustle podcast. In this podcast, me and my guests will be exploring fitness, culture, business, media, and everything in between. My name is Kiana and I am your host. I'm a professional pole dancer, fitness trainer, and social media manager with a background in journalism and a degree in communications. I am extremely passionate about personal development and talking to other queens about their dreams, hustle, mindset, motivation, and success, as well as valuable lessons they have learned throughout their experiences. Here is a space where we can have healthy and expansive conversations that can help you in the next step of your journey. Let's get started. Hey queens, hope you're having a wonderful day or night wherever you're listening. Last week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Audrey. To give you a backstory, I actually interviewed Audrey years ago when I was working um, as a journalist for The Vocalist magazine, which is a digital magazine based in Montreal. So this was my second time interviewing her, but of course this was way longer and we got the chance just to have a really nice and lengthy chat where I learned so much about her. So born and raised in Montreal, R&B soul singer-songwriter Audrey grew up in a very musical environment. After studying music in London and winning multiple songwriting contests, she returned to Montreal and toured with Nade around Canada. Some of their performances took place at big festivals, and they even got to open for Wyclef Jean. In 2019, Audrey's popular single, Runs In Me Blood, was one of the most played tracks on Quebec's English radio stations. Her single, Go Solo, was released in 2020 and got her the iHeartRadio Artist of the Month title in June. In this episode, we chat about how a near-death experience shaped her relationship to martial arts, and we get deep into her music journey, where I actually give you a little taste of her latest single, A-Game, which I am so obsessed with. We also delve into mindset and how she manifests her queen energy. Needless to say, Audrey is a true gem, and I had so much fun catching up with her. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome, Audrey. How you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest on the Queens of Hustle. Um, So I wanted to start with asking you a question. And this is a question that I ask all of my guests at the beginning of every episode. So what sets your soul on fire? Oh my God. So many things, actually. Uh, What sets my soul on fire? Um, Problem solving sets my soul on fire since I was a kid I just love to put things together try to fix things I my mom used to hate it because <laughs> I used to purposely put it takes take a lot of uh, objects apart and then try to put them back in this way I know that when uh, how to fix them when when they're broken sometimes it works and sometimes it didn't but yeah so that I love that yeah I, I guess I apply it everywhere else I'm trying to think of of the times that um, I really enjoyed doing something and I wanted to do it again and again. Um, I, dancing. Yes. <laughs> dancing sets my, especially learning new steps and getting them. <laughs> mm. um, I guess martial arts as well is something that I absolutely love doing because it's kind of like dancing, right? How long have you been doing martial arts for? I, I say... Mm, more recreationally, I've I've started when I was twelve. I did taekwondo. Um, then I did that for about two years. 
then afterwards I did kickboxing for about two years. <laughs> um, and uh, when I was living in London, I was um, studying Wing Chun Kung Fu with Austin Go for about also two years. Yeah, that was that was the, the most interesting um, experience. I, I loved Wing Chun Kung Fu. I still I, st I still practice today. You know, I, it's kind of like my meditation period. Oh my god, I did not know this about you. you so the story behind this one day, I'll tell you. Well. <laughs> now is the time tell me the story behind this <laughs> uh, well okay my my dad is is um is a black belt in karate he used to have a school in montreal um in the 80s yeah and um and uh, i guess it's it's something that always fascinated me since i was a kid and i i get I, that's how i started martial arts but wing chun kung fu is um for, it was it was just a, a I mean, I started it because I was curious. I went in, I loved it. I continued. I loved the discipline. And then one day I was watching Prison Break in London and I fell asleep. Um, and in the room where I was staying, I was staying at my dad's place and, and he, he kind of picked up an old television that was outside. I was living on Relton Road in, in Brixton. Oh my God. If, if anyone hears that I was living there, I'm sure they, they remember that 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 day that night um and um while i was i fell asleep in the room it was a teeny room and the television was kind of buzzing but you know at one point when a television buzz you don't hear it anymore it kind of becomes like part of the background noise and you can be able to watch the, the show so i woke up at three o'clock in the morning and i woke up opening my eyes wide open kind of like in shock stood up opened the window went to the television, turned it off, and, and I could smell something funny coming out of the television, some kind of like almondy, like yucky smell. But I was like, ugh, that's gross. Um, so I opened the door, went downstairs. Um, it was two o'clock in the morning and my stepmother was sleeping. So I was like, okay, whatever. I went back up and I couldn't even reach the room. It was the, the smell was so intense and so disgusting. I wanted to puke. So I went back downstairs and suddenly she was awake and I'm like, could you help me out? Like there's, the smell is terrible in the room. I don't know. I think something's burning, like, you know, from something in the television maybe. And she went upstairs and she called and she's like, yeah, it, it sounds horrible. It smells horrible. It helped me take it outside. So we carried it outside and I was holding the end of the television, breathing in all the fumes coming out of the, whatever was left in there. And, um, and then so we put it outside, it was raining, great. Went downstairs in the living room, sat on the couch. The moment my ass touched <laughs> that couch, I started to feel completely numb. I couldn't feel my legs, I couldn't feel my head, I couldn't feel myself breathing, I couldn't feel my heart. And I started to panic and vent hyperventilating like crazy and kind of like, I stood up sharply and, and looked at her and said, <laughs> call an ambulance, call an ambulance, something's wrong. And for, for a split second, I remembered my high school science course where um, a teacher was, talk, was, was, was talking about old television where they had like these tubes 
like um you know like do you remember and then there's like cyanide inside I just remembered the word cyanide and then suddenly it triggered something in my head like you just you just you were breeding cyanide you're gonna die you're gonna die you're gonna die oh that's God. all that was repeating in my head and so um and she was like calm down what's going on you know and I was just hyperventilating hyperventilating like calling ambience I was just on on repeat saying the same thing and then I uh, after a few seconds I kind of like rushed outside in the in um in the backyard and started to breathe and I was like feeling a little better I was like okay all right and then my legs started to shake uncontrollably and I was like oh, no and then she 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 runs after me and she's like what's going on <laughs> and I'm like all I'm seeing is like a distorted face going what's going on and I'm like she wants to kill me <laughs> so I pushed her out of the way run and run 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 for for um I went uh, to the front door opened the front door out okay it was three o'clock in the morning now I yeah. had my about three o'clock I had my my pajama I was in pajamas running outside looking for help saw a car coming ran towards the car it was a black car probably these guys coming out of a club you know it was it was a Friday night and so I stopped the car and I tell the guys in the car I'm like call an ambulance like smoke fume television call an ambulance the guy was like okay all right take the phone out and I remember oh yeah I remember I knocked um I knocked on the neighbor's doors before running towards the car and I didn't hear any answer. So I saw the car. Yeah. And so as the guys were <laughs> looking through their phone, trying to dial, whatever, um, I saw the door opening. Um, the neighbors were kind of like peeking out going, what's, go what's, what's that? <laughs> Who's knocking? And so I ran towards the neighbors and I, I, I tell them the same thing blah, 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 television fumes call an ambulance and they're like all right calm down and you see my stepmom looking from outside and going what the hell is happening <laughs> and so I, I I go in I go in the house and they sat me down on they sat me on the couch my leg is shaking like crazy I'm like hyperventilating and you know they're they're trying to calm me down I, I talk to someone on the phone and just because I mentioned fumes after 30 minutes not one but two fire trucks started to clutter the street with like the big siren no the, no actually no sirens just the, the lights mm -hmm. yes I remember because it was really late I think that's they don't start that and um um and so the guys gave me oxygen the 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 paramedic gave me oxygen and they were like, okay, now you need to calm down because if you keep hyperventilating, you're going to faint. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to faint because if I faint, I might die. <laughs> so I started to just, you know, breathe in normally, but my legs kept shaking and I went to the ambulance. My stepmother came, went to the hospital. I fell asleep. <laughs> um, and when I woke up, um they they I went through all the tests possible and they were just at the end, they were like, good news, you're going to survive but um the toxin whatever you were breathing while you were sleeping will will stay in your lungs for um quite a while so you might have panic attacks once in a while you know like as your body ejects whatever you 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 inhaled um and in my mind though a doctor told me i was going to be fine i was sure that something was wrong and that um i was going to die so um i went to my Wing Chun uh, Sifu, my, um, the teacher, and I mm -hmm. told him the story. And he, I, I mean, he didn't say anything other than, okay, no worries. 
So he gave me like a um, hot water and put in this like white flower drops, which I don't think you're supposed to drink. <laughs> I think it's something you put on your skin, but it, it was, um, it was, it was kind of like, um, it was, it, it, it was, I don't know. Apparently it was good for, for clearing the throat or clearing the lungs. So I was drinking that and I was like, yes, yes, I'm going to be fine. And so <laughs> I started to go back to Wing Chun Kung Fu since that day. Every day, the, the class after school, so from two to five, then I went in for the class from seven to nine and then the class from nine to 11, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the Sunday, which was only one time, uh, it was just one class. And I did that for six months in a row. Wow. Because I w- in my head, I was like, if I'm able to do that, I'll be fine. And through that period, yes, I had panic attacks and it was very annoying. I couldn't eat spicy food. I couldn't take anything that made me feel like I was losing control. But I was in the best shape of my life. So it's yeah. insane. <laughs> that, that's, um, that's why I love, I love, I mean, I love Wing Chun Kung Fu because I just love it. I love doing it. But um, my love grew even more because of that experience. Crazy. But what happened to your TV to make it release all those fumes? Um, we didn't go too deep into that because of um, me escaping the room and escaping the, the place. I stayed at my friend's place because I, I was telling my, my parents that um, I couldn't stay in the room because I could still smell <laughs> the fumes. But um, it, it was probably plastic that was burning. And because the room was completely closed and very small, it probably took all the oxygen in the room while it was burning. And, and yeah, it was just oxygen deprived probably. Yeah. And what about your stepmom? Did anything happen to her or was it just you? It was just me because I was in that small room. The television was just in my room. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm so happy that you're, you're better now. Like you don't get panic attacks anymore. No, no, that's fine. Oh, I remember that the thing that triggered me, which I left out of the story, it was the doctor said it's you have good reflex, you have good in- instinct because you, you if you haven't if you hadn't woken up, you probably wouldn't have. As a kind of as a joke, saying oh you have like, you have a good you know like you have a good system, good nervous system, and and I thought I I thought that was because of martial arts. Wow, I'm literally in shock right now. Those near-death experiences are just insane. Like, they just give you this new perception of life, don't they? Thank you for that story, first of all. (laughs) Was not expecting that, but that was insane. Uh, My heart was, like, beating so fast. I was like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But, yeah, um, I'm really happy that you're okay now. So I'm fantastic. (laughs) That's good. That's good. So I've already given the audience a little snapshot of you, but in your own words, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do? I'd like to answer that question in in the way that feels the most authentic to me, actually. Um, I'm, um, I'm a woman. I am, um, I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I am, I'm a healer. I'm a Pisces. Um, yeah, I think that that's what I, I'd like. That's how I'd like to, I'm, I'm human. I'm, I'm, I'm an earthling, if you can say that. <laughs> um, I guess I could say also I'm an artist. Then again, everyone's an artist, right? So yes. Actually, and I, what is it you specialize in? I, 
at the moment, I'm a, I'm a songwriter. I'm a singer. I I love playing guitar, which we will see a bit more of um, in the in the next few months. Um, yeah, that that I guess that's my specialty. I also um, I'm drawing a lot at the moment, and um, I've associated a lot of illustrations and 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 drawing that will be part of my project come my, my album actually that's coming um soon <laughs> well i actually already noticed that you've been fusing your music videos with your illustrations which is absolutely epic yeah it's really cool. i i watch all your music videos <laughs> yes queen <laughs> they're amazing and uh, of course i will be uh, dropping the link to your youtube um in the show notes but last time I interviewed you, this was about five years ago, um, I was working as a journalist for The Vocalist magazine, which is a, um, a digital magazine based in Montreal. So a lot has changed since then, including your artist name. Ah, so, yes. Yes. So in your last, in or in our last interview, you were El Ray. That's right. And today you are Audrey. So yes. what made you change your name? There are, there are more than one reason um, as to why I've I've changed my name, um, so I used to be called El Rey, um, but it, it didn't really feel right at one point because it it was it wasn't my name. My name is Audrey, right? And I wanted people to call me by my name after a while. That that was one of the reasons. And the other reason was um, I was called El Rey at the time. I was still experimenting with with art. I I didn't really have a an artistic direction. I was I was still looking for my voice, trying different things. So sometimes you would hear me sing um, lower. Sometimes you would hear me change my voice and just play a bit of jazz or blues or some pop or dance and so I started to confuse people as to who El Rey was and um um when when I, I found my ground and what I really wanted to do which was something that that felt more like me which was a, a Canadian a Caribbean um and also um the style I wanted to, to, to dive into in terms of um, music, uh, it, it became consistent um, around 2018. So I decided to just go, all right, you know what? Let's, let's, let's just, let's just, just use my name. I like when people call me by my name, you know, it feels, it feels real. Um, so I changed it to Audrey, but I was like, mm, let's spice it up a little bit, you know. <laughs> so I, I changed it to I changed the first letter to O, and then the rest Dre. But since people used to call me Audrey or Audrey in Spanish or Audrey en France in French, <laughs> en français, um, I, I just kind of went phonetically and I went, okay, let's just do O D R E. I, I, Audrey, there you go. So that, so that's how Audrey started and El Rey took the shelf. I love it. It's a gorgeous <laughs> name, by the way, and it's very, very unique. Um, can you, I want to now take it back to your childhood because I know that you dove into the world of music at a very young age. 
So can you tell us more about your childhood and how you got into music in the first place? Yes, I, I, I was surrounded by music, I, even without really knowing that I was surrounded with music. Um, my, my, my dad was a reggae artist, so he was part of a band and he was doing Bruce reggae. My aunt was doing heavy metal, French heavy metal. Um, my, my sister later on also did a classical training. So she was able to play anything <laughs> you can imagine. Um, she just has that amazing musical ear. Um, my brother later on also did music. It just, it just, it just was around me. It was just part of, of our family. My mom loved music. She used to, to bring us to every single reggae festival, um, from and jazz festival and blues festival, all the festivals, right. Which is part of the Montreal culture as well. Right. And, um, um, how did I start? Mm, I guess I guess it would be either um, I when I was seven I think my mom told me that she knew I had that stage love when she saw me just pick up a mic at my aunt's studio rehearsal studio and I just jumped on the stage and started to pretend I was a rock star and you how you know how kid how we are when we're kids we just don't care we we don't we're not starting to think about how we look or who we're trying to please we just do and that's what i was doing um yeah i i don't even remember that right that that just comes from my 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 parents just describing like what i did um and then i continued later on doing some talent shows here and there and uh, that that's really when i was a kid not thinking about music as a career, but just having fun. And when did you finally decide to make music your career? Oh, that was much later on when I was living in London with my dad. Um, in 2008, I started to pick up a guitar and, and just kind of fiddle around and realize that, you know, oh, wait, I can actually accompany myself. So I started to go on YouTube and learn covers. That didn't last long. I didn't like learning covers. I, I just didn't like the idea of, of it just, it, it wasn't something that inspired me. So I didn't force it. And instead I just learned how to play the chords. A, E, um, then, then I went to G, C, the different chords. And, um, and I made my own songs. They were terrible, but I had so much fun. That's how I got better. And it motivated me to keep growing and keep learning new chords. And I think that's important because a, a lot of people think there's like, okay, I'm gonna learn guitar. I need to learn covers in order to be, no, you don't need to. You can do whatever you want, really, as long as you're enjoying it. And and I, I found my avenue and I just stuck to that. And out of it came some good songs eventually. And I went to pubs with my terrible songs and people still applauded because they were either drunk or didn't care or just loved the ambience or just enjoyed me coming out of my shell, you know. Um, but at one point I had people coming up to me and say, this is actually really good. You should think about producing that song. You should think about playing with a band. And that's how I started to make connections and learn new skills and have, I, I remember 
one of my songs um, called Keep Smiling um, is the one that got me very far. First, I had students that were studying, um, they were doing their PhD in, uh, was it PhD? Was it, they were doing their master's or their PhD at Goldsmiths University. And um, one was a drummer, the other one was a guitarist, and another one was um, a keyboardist. And they agreed to help me out and be my band, just like that, just out of fun, you know? We were just meeting up a weekend and we started to just play the song Keep Smiling and trying to arrange it together. And I've learned so much from that experience. And we did we did a random show here and we did a talent show at one point, which we got third place, which, which is nice. <laughs> and, um, and then I got the song produced and um, just, you know, just for myself, I went to the studio, I paid it. And um, I sent it to another competition and that's when we called me back and said, you're part of the 15 finalists. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. At that point, I didn't really understand what was going on because I used to do so many, I, I, I just sent my, I sent my, my, my music to, to anyone. I went to any audition possible because um, I wanted to, to just be comfortable being criticized and just doing my thing, which, which is, which is, it was an exercise, right? It was just kind of like being okay with showcasing yourself without, you know, the fear of being judged just for fun. So having that in mind, it was easier to go through the process because it wasn't serious. It was like a game. And when you approach life that way, things are a bit more easy. It, it's a bit easier, right? I agree. I totally agree with that. When like, when things are less planned and, less stressful and calculated sometimes things just happen on their own it's almost like serendipity right exactly exactly everything actually fell into place from the moment i started not to force things and just have fun and um i wasn't actually thinking about that either i just noticed that because that's how i approach life it, it just, yeah, everything just, just happened. It's kind of nice to realize it now um, because it, it, it's a reminder that, that I need to keep, I really need to keep reminding myself because, you know, sometimes you get caught up with life and, and you forget and you just imagine the problems that are surrounding you bigger than they actually are. Um, so I, and I have tricks to actually calm me down very fast now. Like what? What are your tricks? Well, for example, when I think something is the end of the world or needs to be addressed now because it's going to cause this, 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 and give me a headache or, or other people rely on it, I kind of like take a breath and start picturing. And now it, it functions immediately. I start picturing myself on Earth. And then I picture Earth in the solar system. And then I picture Earth in the galaxy and I calm down. The other one, if that doesn't work, I imagine um, from the Big Bang to today, if that was put in a yearly calendar, if I remember correctly, humanity, from the moment that humans were on this planet, we represent the last four seconds of the calendar. Mm. it's just life in the blink of an eye yeah we're totally. so fragile so how does that help you actually what it does 
is it calms me down to a point that it allows me not to be afraid. When my amygdala calms down and doesn't feel threatened, it allows the frontal to actually start thinking and thinking solution. And so I'm more efficient with how to deal with the situation and accept whatever I can, I can change and, and start looking at how I can make things better. That, that it's, it's really, it, the picturing is only a way to calm, calm the fear down, right? The, the, the reptile brain so that I can start being a bit more awake, a bit more on the, on the thinking process. I, I love, I love, I, I love how the brain works. So, um, I always try to read little things here and there to, to kind of understand how, how my body works and reacts to the environment. So this way I have more control, which is a great way to feel empowered, right? Mm, absolutely. So I wanted to touch on the festival circuit because I know that you performed at pretty big festivals around North America, such as South by Southwest. You've also performed at Festival de Montgolfière in uh, Gatineau, Quebec. You've also performed at Festival Mural in Montreal. So you've done a lot and you performed in front of big crowds. What is that experience like? It was it was amazing. Actually, I was performing at the time I was called El Rey before Audrey. Um, I did Canadian Music Week actually uh, this year uh, online though, right? It was it was because there was no festival. They did it on, they did it online for for the industry, so that was nice. Um, the Mural Festival and the South by Southwest one was was at the time I was called El Rey. Um, when I, I got back to Montreal, um, I, I, I met this amazing artist called Nade and, um, she saw me play on stage at one point. I don't remember where I was playing. I was supporting another artist. That was, a, it was, it was at the time where I wanted to improve my guitar skills. So I started to just, um, accompany other people I met that I really liked. And um, so as I was playing on stage, um, she saw me and she was like, wow, I really like what you're doing. And she had a, a um, she had a project in she wanted to do. She wanted she wanted to do her songs acoustic and go around and do acoustic sets of her EP. And um, and I was really interested. So I started to learn her songs. And um, and yeah, from there, we started to just do lots of festivals. We we're going around. We we're invited to different places. Uh, even the Festival Mongolfia, which was the best experience ever. It was, it was like throwing me into the lines. It throwing me into into the hot water. I guess that's that's the the term, right? But I've that's how I learned um, about playing at big festivals. All the little details. I made so many mistakes. So many mistakes. Can you tell us more about, you know, your your learning curves and the lessons that you learned throughout these experiences? <laughs> yes. Um one one of the main thing is if if you don't do big things and you don't make mistakes, um then it it's something's wrong. <laughs> um it's always going to happen and I know now for a fact that there's always going to be some um thing that's going to happen that's going to throw you off it, it just never stops right because life is never perfect and and I accepted that and now I see everything that happened like just the lesson that 
that prepares me for the future. I know not to do that. Something else is going to happen, but you know, and the more you do, the better you are at controlling your environment. And so, um, mistakes like, um, me rehearsing, um, inside a cabin, it's getting hot, but outside it's cold. And when I leave the cabin and go on stage, when we ask me, do you want me to tune your guitar? And I say, no, it sounded fine five minutes ago. That is a mistake because the wood of a guitar changes depending on, on temperature. And when you're about to perform in front of 10,000 people and your guitar is out of tune and you sound like Nirvana, like a Nirvana set during the whole set, it's a good thing that the songs kind of fit that vibe because <laughs> it went through really great. And I just ignored the moment I dropped the guitar I heard it and I was like too late keep going <laughs> just gotta keep going <laughs> so I just had to play the part but um yes so that was one that was one experience uh, the other experience was at the same place um I brought when I when I played my guitar, I, I don't have an amp at home. So I just rehearsed. And I, I remembered that there's someone that picked up my guitar for fun and it fell on the floor. Oof, the worst thing that could happen. And I didn't check because it never happened to me. But the, um, the little piece of metal that holds the jack when you when you plug it in went into the guitar when it, when it fell. It, it broke, right? And I didn't notice until I arrived on stage and it was time for sound check. Festivals don't like when you're late. And so the guy takes my guitar, he plugs it in and comes back to me and he says, there's a hole in your guitar. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh no. And now I remembered and I was like, I didn't check. I should have plugged my guitar. I should have like, you know, I would have noticed and it was too late, but they're so experienced. They were like, don't worry. It's okay. It, an engineer was there. They they took the guitar, they took the, the the strings off of the guitar in five minutes. Um, I found the little piece of metal, they they put it back together, and then I was ready to to do the to do the sound check. So that that's another that's another experience. <laughs> well, thank God that was during sound check and and not the live performance. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious, uh, when you perform at a festival, how does that affect your career? Like, does it really give you a massive boost? Do you get insane exposure? Is it super impactful um, when you play at these big festivals? Do you do you notice a big change? I mean, if if you if you do a good job, <laughs> if you do a good job, and, and you know people like what you do, and you feel confident, and and they love your music and and your presence, I, I definitely is 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 a great boost for your career, you know. Mm. And it's also kind of like. Um, um, something you can add on your resume. So definitely. And do you have any festivals that you're dying to perform at in the future? I was supposed to do um, a few festivals in 2020, which got canceled because of the thing we should never mention the name again. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. Yeah, the thing, uh, the thing, the thing. <laughs> the thing. <laughs> and um and so i i was supposed to do midem in france which is kind of like um, a south by southwest version of of but european version um that got canceled i was supposed to come to the uk and do a showcase as well uh paris um and uh, there's a festival called metro metro with where 50 cents was supposed to be performing and i was that was that 
stage I was sharing that got cancelled. A few other festivals around Quebec. Um, it's life, right? It's life. And as you say, it's part of life and there will be more opportunities. Absolutely. Um, festival. I'd like to perform at Oshaga. That's one of the main, main festivals I'd like to, to perform at. There's in the UK. What's the name? There's one, there's one where Beyonce opened. What was the name of that? Oh, Glastonbury. 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 Oh my God. Definitely. That is on my bucket list as well. Just uh, to attend oh, that festival. A goal. Yeah, that, that would be dope. That would be really, really dope. So um, do you have any like rituals before going on stage? Is there anything that you do to prep yourself before performing? Yes, yes. I didn't before. And now I do because um, two years ago I met, no, I didn't meet her, but she came to one of my shows. Her name is Aza. I actually have a song with her called yeah. Again. Yes. So we did this, I did this, this amazing song with Aza and Aza is the one that showed me how to prep before a show and make sure I had that confident stance and, and, and which, which made me feel comfortable, you know, in my skin and just ready to go. Um, so it would be to, um, stand up like, um, I was a superhero with my hands on my hips head high and just breathe in deeply and by doing that it actually creates something in in your brain i'm not really understanding the the, the scientific part of it yet i didn't look into it which i should um because it's, it's nice to know but it actually may um preps me for the whole show it really works it's Amazing. Every time I do that, I feel like a queen on stage. I feel great. I feel ready for anything. Well, I don't doubt that for a second because you're pretty much like you're manifesting your queen energy. You know what I mean? Like your, your superhero energy because you're because a, a, a big part about manifestation is embodying it. So yes. not only not only just like, you know, putting your hands on your hips, but really like believing in it and sitting in that feeling of being, you know, a superhero or a queen. So I, I don't doubt for a second that it works. Yeah, uh, honestly, it really changed the game for me. Speaking of game, I absolutely love your newest single, A Game. <laughs> yes. Did you like that transition or what? <laughs> I loved it. That was well placed. So I'm going to play it here just for a sec to give our listeners a little taste. Love it so much. I'm not even joking. Before prepping for this podcast, I was playing a game and I was just dancing in my kitchen because as you know, I'm like in my kitchen right now, but I was literally just dancing <laughs> in my kitchen, doing my hip pops and like, you know how sometimes just dancing as if nobody's watching that can really shift your yes. energy. I truly yes. believe that. And like, like, don't even think for a second that I actually look good because even though I am a dancer, like I can just kind of like, there are moments where I'm just 
letting it go. There's no, I'm not thinking about my movement. I'm just moving. And that's sometimes th those are the, the moments that I love because I'm not trying to be calculated. I'm not trying to look, you know, professional or trying to have like, you know, embody flexibility or anything. I'm just moving, letting the, mu the music take me. And that is what I was doing to a game. And it was just, it was a real vibe. It was a real yes. vibe. Yes, yes to all of it. Yes to every single word you said. It's it's perfect. That's what life should be about. Yeah. Just doing. Like, you know, letting that inner child take over and just really enjoying life. Exactly. Exactly. Because obviously being a dancer, sometimes I feel like you need to always look like how would a dancer look, you know? But sometimes mm. you don't you don't sometimes I just want to move and I don't really want to care. But anyways, yeah, that song is unreal so Thank can you, you tell us the process behind writing the song and what it means to you oh okay well <laughs> the process you mean just just to clarify before continuing um you mean like how i got to write it yeah okay there's an actual story behind this i was in montreal after a show i was hanging out with people in the crowd and this person came up to me and was curious. Oh, so who are you? What do you do? I really like what you, you know, I like your voice. I like your music. And, you know, I, that was the year I just came back from London. And, you know, like, we, we don't waste time. We're like, we have we have our trophies. We, we, we've, we've succeeded a few things. We have achievement. We tell them, right? We, we, we just say it. That's what I've accomplished. I did this, 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 this. Now maybe there's an opportunity that we can work together. That's how we would function. But when I, I got into Montreal, it happened more than once that I was told after I mentioned what I have achieved and what I can do. And, you know, this is who I am. I was told, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Calm down. Don't, don't, don't say too much. You know, you might intimidate people and people might like you less. You know, I was like, excuse me? Like... <laughs> What what do you mean? I'm not I'm I'm not supposed to tell people what I do because I might, you know, intimidate them. I, I'm what what's this about? That's not how you do business. That that's not how you you showcase your 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 successes. That's not how you celebrate yourself. And and so I decided that's what I I had in mind was was that time I had this conversation with this person. I decided to just put it in a song. So when I was in the studio, I felt so emotional about it. I had to write it down. So that's how A Game started. And then later on, um, later on, um, in, in when when the song started to take, when when the song was almost done and produced, I produced it with Paco, this amazing producer from Morocco who lives in Canada. Um, we were thinking about getting someone on there. And uh, Aza was the first person that came to mind. <laughs> and um, um, when, I, when I mentioned it to her, she was like, yes. <laughs> she, she hadn't even heard the record, but we were pretty much on the same wavelength um, in terms of values and, you know. Um, so I sent her the song and she sent me back this verse, which was absolutely spot on. And I was like, that's it. We got our song. And yeah, that, that in a nutshell, that's, that's how A Game came to life. 
Amazing. So can you tell us in a nutshell, what is A-game all about? What is the message behind it? A-game is a response to anyone who would ask you to lower your voice, be a little less loud, um, be a, not not be too much, um, um, you know, not not be too much with your passion. Just, just you know, just that that any anyone that tells you that you you ha- you can just send them the song. Actually, <laughs> that that's what a game is about. We have the right to celebrate our successes because it should inspire other people. It shouldn't make people feel uncomfortable. That's the wrong response. That's someone that needs to work on themselves, which is fine because you know sometimes I had to work on myself too. Mm-hmm. Um, I check myself if I don't feel comfortable when someone tells me what they've accomplished. That's some that's that's some that's something I need to work on within me. Mm. But the person has the right to celebrate their success and inspire the rest of the world that needs that inspiration. Amen. And do you think that that person that was kind of telling you to tone it down um, and telling you to like not really celebrate yourself? Do you think that they were doing that because you are a woman? I don't know. Mm. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. It was a man that told me that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I asked. Yeah. But um, it, 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 if it did feel like his intentions were, unfortunately, um, good, in, as in he, want, he didn't want me to get people, he didn't want me to have people on my case that, that would try to, to sabotage you know, my, 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 my work or, or, or push me aside so that I, um, I don't have certain opportunities because they, they were threatened by what I did, for example, that that's how he was thinking. Mm. So he thought he was doing me a favor by telling me that, which, you know, I understand, you know, he, he had his own perspective of the world and understanding he just you know thought well this is what I believe so you should believe it it's fine you know we we're always going to meet people and they're always going to project their their you know values onto you exactly which is fine Mm -hmm. you you take or leave whatever you feel is right for you um but but I wouldn't know right I like to assume that and that makes me happy in the end and not bitter about the world yeah yeah Uh, which is important right because in the end the only thing that matters is not what people well actually in some cases it doesn't matter what people's intentions are it only matters what you do with it amen love that and the last time I was in Montreal which was in December 2019. Uh, I would I would have went home a couple times since then if it weren't for COVID. Sorry, I said the word. Uh, but oh. <laughs> I was at Sports Experts um, with my boyfriend, and your song "Runs in Me Blood" came on on the radio, and I was like, "Oh my god, I know her!" And I was like, just freaking out because um, that is just so cool to actually like know the person that's on the radio. So. <laughs> How, how does it, yeah, it is. It is cool. So, how does it feel when you hear your songs on the radio? It feels really good. Although mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't listen to the radio often enough, um, but I, I get the hype from everyone else sending me private messages of them in the store, them in the car, or in an Uber. Go, your song's playing, <laughs> which, which you know, keep keeps the whole the whole magic on. 
Yeah, it must be super nice, definitely. It's really, it's rewarding. And what's the Montreal music scene like? Well, with COVID, <laughs> it was, um, um, how can, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. Well, like in, in, in regards to working in a place like Montreal, as opposed to working, let's just say, in a place like Toronto, uh, which is known to be Canada's music hub. What, what is it like pursuing a music career living in a place like Montreal? Oh, well, it, it's, it's, um, it's great for creativity. There's so many artists that, you know, um, there's so many artists helping each other and collaborating and, and, and just doing projects either visually or musically. It's, it's great. I really love Montreal for that. And um, I guess for me, it feels a little different because of the, the, the direction I'm going into or my, my creative process. Um, and also because, well, my music is all in English. I did have one song in French, but it, I don't think I want to do that again because it didn't feel right. Um, it's, it, it's not part of my form of expression when it comes to art. Um, so it's a little more difficult for me in Montreal. I'd say it, it, feels better in an in English environment to uh, showcase my art. Also because not everyone would understand what I would say, maybe not in Montreal, because there's a lot of Anglophones and Francophones and everyone is bilingual. But let's say if I say Quebec, it, it's a little bit more difficult to put the music out there because the audience is Francophone. Although they listen to American music, it's, it's, I'm, yeah, it's, it's a touchy subject. <laughs> Absolutely. And have you ever considered like moving to Toronto? Oh, yes, 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 I, I have. Um, but um, I also like to, to stay close to family at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it, because of the situation and everything. And, and also because my team is in Montreal. Um, and so I, I, I decided to keep staying there, but cater to a more Anglophone um, crowd, which is a little harder, right? Um, if, if you don't live in, in, in the city itself, but it's something that I'd like to do, yeah. Yeah, and for, um, for all the listeners that um, are not familiar with the terms, just because Anglophone and Francophone are actually quite uh, Canadian terms, Anglophone is someone that speaks English and Francophone is someone that is French speaking, just yeah, to well, clarify. Because I've lived overseas now and sometimes I use that term and people are like, oh, is that what you call someone that speaks French? And I'm like, yeah, didn't you know that? But no, it's not, it's not widely used, those terms. And that was new to me as well. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Um, I remember my experience coming out of Montreal in an English environment saying I wanted to have my, I think it was a burger at the time, all dressed. Yeah, that's not a term. It's not, a, it's only a Montreal thing, right? No, I think all dressed is Canadian. I'm pretty sure all dressed is Canadian. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like it's people... not something you would say outside. Like in the, and I remember in London, we looked at me sideways when I said that. Yeah, the flavor all dressed is also um, 
not a thing either. Like you don't find all dressed pizza. There's no all dressed chips or as they call it here, crisps. Um, yeah, all dressed isn't a thing nor a flavor. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to just start wrapping it up now because I, I can literally chat to you forever. You're just so easy to talk to. But I wanted to just uh, qu- quickly delve into your mindset and motivation because these are two aspects that are extremely critical when it comes to working in such a competitive industry. Mm-hmm. So do you have any tips or tricks for staying motivated? For staying motivated? Oh, uh, yes. Um well, this is what I would do. Um, I constantly surround myself with people. I ask around when I have questions. Um, I would Google it once in a while, but um, it's so much better when you ask someone who is, um, uh, who I wouldn't say a master in the field, but you know, who 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 also works in that field, um, just for you know different perspective, different insights. Um, if I if I lack inspiration, I I would. Uh, either you can do, I hired a coach so that that helps because you know it, it, sometimes you learn faster and, you, and and it's good to have someone that that keeps you motivated on days where you know you don't feel too too great or you you feel a bit lost um I sometimes I watch movies for inspiration for music for lyrics or I go back in my diary and read some of the things um, to stay focused as well and calm. Um, if I, I would, I would, I would meditate, listen to Deepak Chopra. Oh, my favorite. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess those, those are the, the, the best ways to stay motivated. I also have uh, an Instagram account I started called Women on Earth. Okay, I'm definitely going to be linking that also in the show notes. And on there, um, I, I need to continue it now. I I have all my, my, my material already. Um, just need to upload them, but I, I did it for half a year. I uploaded quotes in advance so that every day I have this notification with a quote that would, you know, be motivation for me. And, and well, there's a few people that, you know, jumped on and, and, and liked what I was doing, but I mostly did it for me as if, as if it was just a reminder to, you know, just to keep, to keep going. And it, it actually really worked. Like I was really focused. Like it kept me going and kept me focused. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one way I, I would suggest. Awesome. And uh, I'll definitely be following that account as well. And as you know, I'm a sucker for quotes. So do you have a fave quote that leaves you feeling inspired and empowered? Yes, 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 yes. Which is um, something that I think a lot of people would appreciate um, being reminded of is you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. And that was from Oprah Winfrey. Love that. That 100%. Especially, you know, I don't I don't know if it's for a woman, like if it helps women more, but it feels like we don't, we don't dare asking as if we, we're not, you know, we, we don't deserve it or it's not for us. But really, anything is for you. Like Will Smith used to say, like the world, you know, like I think he said at one point, I might be totally 
wrong, but I think I remember him saying, my mother told me that I deserved anything this world has to offer. Mm. And when you have that in your mind, plus you get in life what you have the courage to ask for, you just go on like a child and do whatever you want and ask for things. The worst case scenario is a big fat no or a negotiation, but at least you get through the negotiation. Yes, a hundred percent. And you are achieving so much right now. I see that you're releasing music videos, you're releasing songs. What is next for you? Always surprises coming our way. So we have um, an exclusive little performance coming soon that's going to appear on my Instagram account. And um, a possible show, providing there is no interruption, as you know. Um, hopefully, no interruptions, please. Manifesting this. <laughs> please, universe. <laughs> so a show possibly in September. And an album coming in October. Oh my goodness. There is so much happening. I love it. So can you just let the audience know where we can find you? You can find um, me on pretty much everywhere, actually. Any of your favorite platforms, you're going to find me. You just have to type Audrey. Um, I'm on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, Tidal, did I miss Apple Music. Um, I'm on TikTok. If yes. you like acoustic music, I have special TikTok, acoustic TikToks. That's, I reserve TikTok for acoustic. And uh, I'm on Facebook, if you're a Facebooker. And uh, also, if you want to see some illustrations, there'll be more coming up or some Giphy's. You can find me on Giphy as an official artist. Wow, that's amazing. And just to um, reiterate, the spelling is O-D-R-E-I-I. Exactly. But you could also just check out the show notes because I'll, I'll be uh, linking everything. Fabulous. But Thank you so, so much for taking the time to come on my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. You are such a gem. Absolutely love chatting with you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And I shall speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Queens of Hustle podcast. As this is a passion project that I'm doing all by myself in my free time, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. Feel free to share this episode on your social media or send it to someone you know who'd benefit from listening to this. Have an amazing day or night wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.